He is risen. He is risen indeed. What an awesome thing it is for us to be able to declare that phrase, joining in over 2,000 years of history across the globe, people making that declaration, that profound statement that death on the cross was not the end of the story. His sacrifice on the cross was not the end of the story. There was an overcoming that was going to take place, that has taken place. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, on the other side of the globe from where all that took place, still declaring the reality that he has risen indeed. And that resurrection power is still at work and can still be at work in our lives, in our realities. There's not a presumption that I have this morning that I would know all the different things that are happening in the lives of people that are here today. Some I know, but most I do not. I think about the reality that regardless of how good life has been or is right now, regardless of how difficult, inside of that reality, I can stand up, I can rise up inside of that and declare praise. Because regardless of what my circumstances are, He is still God. Regardless of what my circumstances are, He has still risen indeed. And there is a a supernatural joy that can well up inside of me regardless of what life is dealing me. And that's not just true for me, that's true for you as well. So here's what I want to ask you to do. And no, I just had you sit down a minute ago, but I just kind of wanted you to to really soak in what, what I was talking about. I want you to make a conscious choice to rise up in this place today. And in rising up in this place today, when you're standing up, you're kind of making a declaration. He is risen indeed, and that resurrection power is at work in me. And I want to make the conscious choice today to raise a hallelujah, regardless of how good it's been or how bad it's been. So will you join us in that stand with the intention of raising a hallelujah? And let's sing this out today. This might be a new song for you, that's okay. You can repeat after me. It's real easy. Sing this out. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. In the presence of my enemy. I'll raise a hallelujah.
there are words for him, I don't have them. My mind has not yet reached the point where it could form a perfect thought that could adequately describe the greatness of God. My lungs do not have the ability to release a breath with enough energy to breathe out the greatness of his love. And my voice is so restrained by human limits that it's hard to even send up a praise. If there are words for him, I don't have them. His grace is remarkable, his mercies innumerable, strength impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He's unsearchable, yet knowable. Indescribable, yet personal. He is beyond comprehension, further than the imagination, constant through generations, and king of every nation. If there are words for him, I don't have them. Trying to capture the nature of the one true God using just my vocabulary will never do. But I can use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever. He has won my heart, captured my mind, and has bound them together. He has defeated me in my rebellion and conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning and drowning me with grace in the night. If there are words for him, I don't have them. But what I do have is good news, for my God knew that man-made words alone would never do. Words are just tools to point to the truth. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, giving nothingness formation. And by his word, he sustains in the power of his name. For he is before all things, and all things he reigns. Holy is his name. Praise him for his life, the way he preserved in strife, the humbled son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Praise him for his death, that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, that he battled our enemy, and on the third day rose in victory. He is everything that was promised. Praise him as the risen king. Lift your voice and sing. For one day he will return for us and we will finally be reunited with our savior for eternity. But if there are words for him, I don't have them. But my words point to the word and that word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. So in the words of the psalmist, hallelujah in his sanctuary. Hallelujah in his mighty heavens. Hallelujah for his mighty acts. Hallelujah for his greatness. Hallelujah with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath and every breath
Jesus, we declare your praise today as we soak in the reality that you have overcome. It's not just a great song, a catchy phrase, but it is a statement of fact. A statement of fact declared by us out of whatever our circumstances might be, what they have been. We simply declare today that you, Jesus, have overcome. You've overcome the world. You've overcome sin. You've overcome death. You've overcome destruction. Um, you, you have overcome our failures, our mess-ups, our poor choices, our tendencies toward selfishness, In the midst of all of that reality, in the midst of all of that darkness, you stretched your arms out on a cross. And with your dying breath declared, it is finished. The work of salvation had been accomplished. The, the work of redemption, redeeming us broken people had been accomplished. Then where, O oh death, is thy sting? For three days later, you rose from the dead, overcoming the result of our sin. For the wages of sin is death. We understand that, that we brought this on ourselves. But you became the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is how you overcame. That is what you have accomplished. And that is exactly what we celebrate here today. New life. Abundant life. You came to give us life and that abundantly. And that's what we soak in today. So we choose to park ourselves right at your feet. We make the choice today, just as we, we chose to stand up and, and raise a hallelujah, we choose to sit at your feet. <clears throat> we open up our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you want to say to us, whatever it is you want to accomplish in us or even through us today. We are your people called by your name. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody here said, Amen. You may be seated. And as you are doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join me as we want to continue in our worship time through our giving.
So Jesus, take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Kiddos, you
Isn't it awesome having our kids in here with us? Ooh, and they left some good stuff behind, didn't they? Have you ever had a dream die? You ever experienced the death of a dream? It's it's a painful thing. It's a painful process. Um, Clearly, it's not one that we would ask for. It's not something that we would invite into our reality. When we dream, when when we have a dream, when we press into a dream... Man, we want that thing to succeed. We want, it to, we want it to take off. We want it to soar. We want it to happen. And then when it dies, I've had it happen to me a number of times in my young, young life. I wasn't supposed to be funny. I've had it happen a lot. I, I remember one of the uh, one of the earlier times that happened for me was in college. I, I, I had this dream. I was going to be a rock star for Jesus. I had the hair. I had the outfits. I had the electric guitar. I even had a band. And, man, in the, in the midst of trying to get that thing off the ground, uh, the Lord just reaches into my circumstances and, and, he, and, he, and he says, you know what, I, I, got, I got something completely different for you. I, I've got a calling on your life. I want you to serve in the church. And in the midst of wrestling with that and, and accepting that as, as my reality, I, I had to let that dream die I had, to, I had to lay that down. In fact, I had, I had to, in, in my current situation, I had to lay music down almost completely to pick up the mantle of ministry. And, and it, was, it was painful. It was a completely different direction, a completely different thing that, that began to happen for me than what I had planned for myself. Have you ever had the experience of the death of a dream. That's the reality we find the disciples in. Oh man, they were dreaming big too. They, think about this, just, just days before there was this huge parade that had taken place and Jesus comes riding in and, and all, everybody in the area is, is celebrating and, and declaring praise, waving palm branches, uh, shouting Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and, and Jesus' kingship has, has, has arrived, and his followers, those, those that were closest to him, um, really their dreams were, were starting to take off. I mean, they're, they're having these discussions among themselves. So Jesus, who's going to sit on the right and on the left in your kingdom. I mean, they're, they're dreaming big about, about what's to take place, what's, what's beginning to unfold. No, 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 Jesus, you don't understand. You, you, 
I don't know what you're talking about with this whole suffering thing. We're talking about kingdom stuff here. No, 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 Jesus, what do you mean somebody's going to betray you? That's, that's, no, that's not happening in this group. Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? Why won't you defend yourself? Show these, show these people who have you in these shackles, who are, who, are, who are beating you and mocking you, show them the truth about who you are. Why are you staying silent on these things? No way this is happening. It's happening. It's happening. Look at him. He's dying. And as they pulled his body down off of that cross... wrapped him in the burial garments, stuck him in that hole. And and rolled a stone in front of it and there were Roman guards placed there. It's over. Death of a dream. And, and these followers, they, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what's next. They're, they are straight up lost. Some of them go in into, into hiding, expecting that, the, that those that had arrested Jesus were, were coming after them as well. <clears throat> Others just kind of wander and, and, and even go into default mode. Then, when, when Jesus raises from the dead, it, it's, it's not really a public spectacle. You gotta understand this. This thing kinda happens under the radar. And, and so, the, the news of the resurrection begins to kind of trickle out. Now, some, at the point where we're going to read today, some have seen him. There, there are a few firsthand reports. But the, the uncertainty of this, not, not sure what, what to believe, the, the, the fact is the death of the dream is, is still their reality. And so we pick up this is where we're at. So we pick up in Luke chapter 24 at verse 13. And, and, and Doug, if we could bring up some of the congregational lighting so folks can read their scriptures, I really want them to be able to do that. Chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke. We're going to pick up the reading at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now let's pause there for a moment. Emmaus is an interesting little village. This is the only time in Scripture that we hear about this place. 
when you, when you look into it a little bit, it, it's still unsure um, where this village was really at, but it had some hot springs. In fact, the word Emmaus literally means warm spring. So it was, it was sort of a, a, a place you would go to to relax. Think of it like going to the hot springs in Buena Vista or, or Glenwood or something like it was, it was one of those destination places, a, a getaway place. Now these two that we're talking about here, two of Jesus' followers, they're not, they're not um, more of the prominent followers. So these are names that you would not recognize. And we don't know if, if they were from Emmaus or if they were headed to Emmaus to unplug or to recalibrate. Needless to say, though, that they, this is the direction that they're headed, to the, to the warm spring place. Continuing on with the reading, they, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. This is, this is remarkable. This is the man that they had been following seen him face to face, nose to nose, had, had touched him, had, had, had witnessed uh, his miracles, had, had heard his voice, heard his teaching. Oh, who, we don't know exactly how long these two had been following with Jesus, but they were very closely connected with him. This was not um, a, 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 a relationship that barely existed. These were close followers of Jesus. And as they're discussing the events that have taken place, Jesus shows up on the scene walking alongside of them and they don't recognize him. And I immediately wonder how often that happens to me. Where, the, where the, the things of life, the, the, the things that are, that, are, um, that are deeply on my mind, the things that, that are happening in, in the here and the now become so overwhelming for me that I don't even recognize he's right there with me. I, if we're honest with ourselves this happens all too often to us. In fact, we, we, we might even begin to cry out with our voices out of, out of the, the tough time, where are you, God? We might even use scriptural phrases, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why, why, why aren't you here? And I wonder how often we're doing that when we're just blinded to the fact, we just don't recognize the fact that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's right there. These two are discussing 
the things that have been happening. Jesus himself comes up and walks along with them. And so Jesus asks. So now his, not, it's not just his physical presence, but now his voice shows up on the scene. What are you discussing together as you walk along? You would think right here, story changes. Wow, Jesus, it's you. <coughs> as his voice comes forth from his mouth into their ears, the brain should be engaging at this point. Ding, 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 ding. What are you guys talking about? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these last days? Absolutely zero recognition that the very person they're communicating with is the one that all these things happen to. But Jesus being Jesus says, well, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, stop there for a moment because what they just declared is really important. These, these, are, these were followers of Jesus. They had, they had determined in their minds that he was Messiah. They had determined in his mind that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And, and, and up until the very moment of his death, that they fundamentally believed he was the Christ, the son of the living God. That's why they were following him in the first place. And as they're talking to him, their answer is, he, the first thing they say was, he was a prophet. They just downgraded him. See, prior to death, he was Messiah. But since, since he died on the cross, since that whole dream has died, they've now downgraded him in, his mind, in their minds to well, he was a great prophet, strong in his words, strong in his deeds. In fact, we were hoping that he was the one to redeem Israel. Look, look at these, these words. This is an amazing thing that has happened to these people. In just a matter of days, the death of the dream has been so overwhelming that they have, they have completely changed their idea, their mentality of who this Jesus was. Man, he wasn't it. We were hoping. And what is more, they said, it's the, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition to that, some of our women amazed us 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. <clears throat> they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. You understand that, that with this, first, this, this firsthand account of hearing the reports, these are two people that were tightly in this circle. Okay, these weren't just outsiders looking in. These were, they, they were tightly in the circle. The, 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 the women who went to the tomb and saw that the tomb was empty came into their circle to where they were behind closed doors. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So they're, they're conflicted. These two who are, who are, who are headed to the warm spring are, are conflicted. They're, they're, they're trying to process. They're trying to understand. They're trying to, to really grab onto all of the things that have, have occurred over the last few days. It's why I kind of think that, that maybe they weren't from Emmaus, but they were, they were headed to Emmaus to, to soak it up in the hot spring and, and try, to, try to download and, and try to process and try to come to an understanding about, not just about what happened, but now what do we do? Because the dream is clearly dead. They've already downgraded Jesus as, from Messiah to prophet, so clearly they've determined that whole thing is over. But now what? Jesus' response. How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I mean, you guys are supposed to know this stuff. You grew up digging it through the law and the prophets, digging into the word. You know this stuff. How, how foolish you are to not have comprehended it. Did not Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then look what happens. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Man, just soak in that for real quick. Can you imagine God himself, through the person of Jesus, opening up all of Scripture from the time of Moses to current time, explaining everything. It said this here, and it said this here, and it said this here, and it said this here. And it said this here. And when it said this here, that's what it meant. And when it said this, don't you see? And then when it said this here, that's what happened to me. And then when it said this here, that's what happened to me. And then when it said this here, that's what. And, and now he's not saying the word me because they still don't write. So he's just, he's, he's describing all of the things that scripture has lined out what was going to happen to Messiah. Man, what a moment. As they approached the village, as they approached the warm spring to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. And they urged him, no, 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 stay, stay with us. 
for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, so now they've come around a meal, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. having this conversation with the Messiah, not even knowing that it's him, hearing his voice. I mean, think about how long it took for him to walk through all the scriptures that he walked through, explaining what had to happen to Messiah. And all of that time, still not recognizing him, still not realizing it's his voice talking to them, not, not recognizing what's happening in, inside of themselves not connecting the dots. Why? Because circumstances had gotten so bad that the dream is over, period, dot, exclamation point. The dream is dead. And then they see this Passover picture that happens right in front of their eyes when he breaks the bread and distributes it and, and he blesses the cup and distributes it and whoa! And then he's gone. Look what they say. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight and then they said, they asked each other, was not our hearts, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Church, we do we recognize him when he shows up? Do we recognize that, that voice that is burning inside that comes from nowhere, no one but him. Regardless of how bad it's gotten, regardless of how dead the dream might seem to be, regardless of, of how hopeless life might feel like, could we possibly recognize him when he shows up in the midst of all of it, tugging, Man, they had no choice at this point. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Forget about the hot springs. We're going back to the clan. We got something we got to tell people. And there they found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it's true. It's true. The dream is not dead. It's not over. 
the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told the whole story and guarantee it, they had every detail inside of that story of what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. See, it's, it's really not about did the resurrection happen or not. The, the proof of the resurrection, I think, speaks for itself. Understand that Scripture tells us at, at one moment he appeared to 500 people. That story alone gives enough credence, enough credibility to note that the resurrection was true, that it was real. Not to mention all the other times that he showed up to this one and, or this group or these two on the road. We have enough information to understand that the resurrection was real. And, and if these stories aren't enough, realize that, that just a week before Jesus died on the cross, a very public resurrection happened where Lazarus comes out of the tomb after four days, wrapped in his mummy clothes, walking out. And Jesus says, all right, take the, take the death clothes off of him. That was a public display of resurrection. Jesus came out only after three. Well, that's no big deal. I saw somebody come out after four. You see, all these things line up. So this is not about did the resurrection happen or not. But what it is about is what are we going to believe about it? Isn't this where these two disciples were in their journey, in their life? They'd already heard multiple Two, two different stories of people going to the tomb and seeing that the tomb was empty and one group had the direct report, <coughs> he has risen. Essentially, that's, that's where we are because I don't think that Jesus is gonna come walking through that door physically and show his hands to us like he did to Thomas. We're not gonna get a physical manifestation of the person of Jesus walking through these doors today. So, so we're essentially right in the same part of the story as these two. We've heard it said. We've heard it reported. The information is before us. The question then becomes, what do we do with it? And will we recognize him even in this moment when our hearts are burning inside of us, knowing that the only person that could touch that part of us has got to be him. Because Pastor Brian is not even close to being smart enough and powerful enough to pull that off himself. This has got to be supernatural 
with your eyes closed. And as our worship team begins to move, move into place, with your, I, <coughs> see, here's, here's big picture thing that I, that, that, I, that I want you to see with your eyes closed. I want you to visualize this. Generations before, way before this, during, during the days uh, of, of, of the judges, we, we get into 1 Samuel, and Israel has gotten sick and tired of, of, of being different than the rest of the world. And so they make a declaration. Really, they make a demand. We want a king. We want a king because we want to be just like everybody else. Rejecting God as their king, essentially. In fact, that's, that's God's response. When, when Samuel, when Samuel the, the prophet at this time, is, is so upset by this demand, God says, don't, don't be upset, Samuel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Give them what they want. And so they go into a history then that unfolds of having kings over them, rule over them, and, and it's mostly bad. It's just mostly bad. When you get to the days of, of, of Jesus walking this earth and, and accomplishing his ministries, and then he gets arrested and he's, he's standing before the crowd and Pilate's standing there next to him. Pilate's like saying to the people, to the Israelites, to, to the Hebrews, to the Jews, there's, I don't see anything wrong with it. He's not done anything wrong. Isn't he your king? And they said, no, we have no king except Caesar himself. Once again, rejecting God as their king. <clears throat> when he's standing right in front of them, when he's everything that they've been waiting for, expecting, they reject him and they send him to the cross. Now, ultimately, we needed him to go to the cross. So the way the story unfolds is the way the story had to unfold. But when it comes to you and I today, the, the, the question really comes before us. Who is our king? And really, you are the only one that can answer that for yourself. Do you receive him or do you reject him? Do you say yes to him or do you say no to him? Because it's not a lack of information. It's really just a, a matter of decision. your eyes closed. I, I'm assuming 
that most of us in this room have said yes to Jesus. Most of us in this room have accepted him as Savior, as, as, and, 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 and most of us in this room would say, if, if we pass the microphone around, he is my king. But I don't presume that to be true about everyone in this room. And there's so many I don't really know. But if you have been feeling a burning sensation within you today, I'm asking you to recognize right now, right now in this moment, that's, that is God. That's Jesus tugging at your heart, speaking to the core of who you are, saying, I did this for you. My love for you is so real and so extreme that I stretched my arms out on a cross and died for you because I want you with me forever. And I want to be your dream giver. I want to pour myself into you so much that, that I can create new dreams for you, regardless of what, is, what kind of dream may have died in your life. I am the redeemer. <clears throat> if that is you today, whether, whether you're feeling this for the first time in your life, or whether it's been a while, you might say that you've just been disconnected from, from God, from the things of God, and, and you're feeling him, and, and you want to be reconnected. You want to say yes to him. And if that's you, I'm, I just want to ask you to slip your hand up right now. It's just me looking. Are there, are there folks in here that you're, this, is, this is you saying yes to him? I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes. It's three, four. Yes, I see that. Five. Six. Anyone else? Seven. pray a prayer, and I'm, I'm asking everybody in this room to, to repeat after me. We're going to do this along with these seven that, that are saying yes to Jesus today, whether it's for the first time or, or reconnecting with him. But will you all repeat after me together? Dear Jesus, you are God. I am not. You are king. I am not. You are Messiah, the Son of the living God. I believe in you. I believe in what you have done. You died on the cross to save the world from its sins. Not just the world 2,000 years ago, but the world today. You did this for me. I believe. And I confess my sins to you. 
and I return to you and I humble myself at your feet and I ask for your forgiveness. Make me clean. Make me whole. Begin a new work in me. Transform me. Change the way I think. Change the way I perceive. Change the way I communicate. Change all of me. I am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Listen to me. We've been, we've been celebrating today, but I want you to know that the celebration that is happening right now in heaven because a few have come to know Jesus far outweighs any of the sound we have made in this room today. And I think that is phenomenal. We should join in that celebration. For those of you that have prayed that for yourself today, I want you to understand you did not cross a finish line. The starting gun just fired off. This is just the beginning of a journey. A journey that you were not created to do alone. And, and, and a journey that, 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 that really necessitates togetherness. We need each other. You need us and we need you. Jesus and the church are one, okay? So, so being connected with Jesus means that you need to be connected with the church for the purpose of, of, of growth, growing in your, in your understanding of who you are in him and, and understanding who he is and how he wants to relate to you and how how you're to how we are to relate to one another so I would encourage you let this be step one and in, in a journey that that heads into forever with Jesus and his people because that is truly what happened for you this morning we're going to close by singing Jesus paid it all because that declaration is simply put the profound truth of why we can celebrate an empty grave because of the fact that Jesus took care of our need, our need to be saved, our need to be redeemed, our need to be made whole. So will you stand with us today? Let's just sing it out. Sing it out, church. Sing it out.
talk to uh, stay standing. We're, we're, we're done here, but I just, uh, a couple more words to those that have that have been changed today. I want to be able to communicate with you uh, as you're beginning this journey. So I want to ask Doug to throw my phone number up on the screen. This is going to be pretty challenging for us to try to, to connect after this. So here's what I'm hoping that you'll do. I know you came in with your phone because we, it's like the old American Express card. We never leave home without it, right? Okay. So I know you have your phone. If, if you would just text me right now, you're texting straight to my phone and just tell me your name. I'll have your name and your number. Just say, the Lord did something to me today and, and I wanted you to know about it. That way we can begin a dialogue. We want to be able to take hold of your hand and, and continue journeying together. What an amazing day this has been. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, and fill you with his peace and his presence. Have an awesome week walking with the Lord. We'll see you next Sunday. for love.